Any successful plan requires wisdom and preparation, and retirement is no different. It's time for the Plan Wise Retire Free Podcast. Hey, everybody. Welcome into this edition of Plan Wise Retire Free. Thank you, as always, for tuning into our podcast as we talk investing, finance, and retirement with the guys, with Jude and Mike, as always, here on the show with us. Welcome, Jude. How you doing this week, my friend? Man, I am so thankful to be alive. I'm happy to be here. Well, if, if you're doing good, then then Mike's, I, I always love Mike's answers. What's going on, buddy? How are you? <laughs> I'm still living the dream. Living the dream. That's right. Very good. Doing great. Thank you. Good, good. Fantastic. Well, we got a great show this week. Actually, we got a very special guest and a very special topic. Uh, so I get to sit back and actually be uh, a listener this go around. And I'm going to turn the duties over to you guys and let you guys introduce our guest and our topic and take it away. As always, though, folks, if you have any questions, you need some help, uh, make sure you reach out to the team, subscribe to the podcast on Apple, Google, Spotify, whatever platform you choose at planwiseretirefreepodcast.com. And uh, guys, let it rip. Mark, thank you as usual for setting us well up well so that we can you know, do a positive show and get some great information out to our listeners. Today, I am extremely excited to have Catherine Real on the show. We've been talking for months uh, to try to coordinate our schedules to get her on, and we finally found some time that was mutually beneficial. I want, if you haven't heard of Kathleen before, in our industry, in the financial services, she is a giant. Uh, she has spent uh, her career really helping widowers deal with recovering after losing that special loved one in their, in, in their life. Uh, she's the author of the book, Moving Forward on Your Own, a financial guidebook for widows. Kathleen is also a CFP and a PhD. She's written articles in USA Today, in the New York Times, and the Wall Street Journal. Kathleen, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for inviting me to be a part of this. And I am very grateful that you're doing this episode to help my widowed sisters. Well, we find it a pleasure that you're here. And you're right, the timing is amazing. Uh, my partner, Mike, is here. And we thought we'd just have a conversation with you to see what we can do to really provide value and service, particularly at this time where our world is really upside down. We are living in profound times right now on many levels. Absolutely. We had the pleasure of uh, reading your book and wanted to try to break this talk down into three sections to try to be uh, as efficient as we can with our time and really get some value out to our listeners. One, we'd like to start off uh, knowing a little bit about your story and what inspired you to work with this niche and write the book. Then secondly, we want to talk to you about the process that you've built that has been so helpful to so many. And then lastly, we'd like to spend some time talking about possibly what people can do before they lose that special someone to try to make sure that they're not in the worst position when that happens. Is that okay with you? Yes, you're very well organized. <laughs> Mike, would you agree that I'm very well organized? He is the king of the agenda. Oh my goodness. I, I, I've got to record this day in, the di in my diary. Mike gives me a compliment. Okay, so I'm feeling good about myself today. Well, with that said, 
Kathleen, can you tell us a little bit about your story? What inspired you to start working with this niche and inspire you to write the book? Well, let's see. Do you want me to start out with way back history when I was a farm girl? (laughs) (laughs) Probably not way back, back then. But I've changed careers, morphed several times during my lifetime, and I'm still not done yet. When I became a financial advisor, which was really uh, mid-90s, my specialty niche at that time really was working with clergy. And that was because my husband was a pastor, and we moved and grooved in those circles. And there are so many different kinds of things that happen with clergy financial planning. And it was just, it it was a great fit for me. That business grew. I always wanted to have a small business, though. I I never wanted to be huge. I never really wanted to have other partners, but it grew very nicely. And then, of course, the year that I was in the top 100 financial planners in the whole country, it just really blew wide open. And I added a little bit of staff then, but it kept going nicely. And then there was a major change in my life, and that's when my husband died. Now, he was older than I was, and we always thought probably I would be the one to be the last spouse standing, but we didn't expect that he would die when he was only 71. And he was diagnosed with cancer in the beginning of December, and uh, two days before Valentine's Day, he died. Five weeks after that, my widowed mother died, and my daddy had died just two years before that, and um, to lighten things up a little bit my cat died too. So I lost a whole bunch of special people in very, very short order. So he died in 2007. And now I'm going to tell you a little story that I don't share with most folks, but I I think it's maybe especially pertinent right now. He was a a very spiritual person, man of God. And we had a, a long talk before he died. And this was about maybe three weeks before he passed on. And he said it was his time to go, that he had accomplished everything that he was to do in this lifetime. But he said, you, Kathleen, have not. You've got more things to do. And in fact, for you to accomplish your life purpose, I must leave. And I said, what the heck are you talking about? What do you mean that you've got to go? And he said, what, do, you know, I said, what, what does that mean? He said, I'm not sh- sure what this purpose is, but you'll figure it out after I'm gone. So he died, and I continued to have conversations with him. In fact, before he died, I said to him, I want you to send me a sign after you're gone. And he said, well, I don't know if I can do that or not. And I said, well, yes, I'm sure you can. Well, I chronicled several signs, but I also kept talking with him in my head after he was gone. And so this was a couple of months after he had passed, and I was outside in the swing overlooking this beautiful lake behind our house. And I could hear him in my head coming to Mary to me. And you'd have to know Tom. He was a very, very funny man. But he said, I got to tell you, I got it. I got the job. And I said to him, well, what do you mean? What was the job? And he said, I'm your chief guardian angel. And I said, oh, that's wonderful. He said, wait, wait, there, there's more though, because as your chief guardian angel, I'm on this team. And on this team, like God is the chair of, of this committee. And he knew I understood committees because I'd worked on university structure and I had PhD committees that I was advising. And so he said, so God is the, the chair. And there are other teachers and guides that are here too. Some of them you know already, but some of them you're going to be meeting very shortly. And we've been tasked, we have one year to work with you from the time that 
your my cancer was diagnosed. So that was in December of the prior year. He said, we've got till December of this year coming, which would be 2007. And by that date, you will know what your life's purpose is to be. And I kid you not, by December of 2007, I knew I was to write a book to help other widows. I didn't have a clue how I was going to write the book or what I was going to do with it, but I was to write a book and I was supposed to be starting to work with widows. So at that point, I I actually temporarily closed my practice from taking new clients on because I, I didn't even know for a while. I wasn't even sure if I'd be able to continue on with the business without Tom. He had helped so much. But when I opened it back up and started taking clients, I only accepted widowed clients. And I'd worked with widows before, but oh my gosh, having walked that walk, it was so much different right now. So I accepted new widowed or couples who were looking to that time ahead when there would be just one widowed spouse left. And that's what I did for the, the rest of the, the time. And I started writing that book and it, and it took me a couple of years to write it and to think about how I wanted to organize it. Cause it's a very, very different book. And you said, you've, you've read it. It's you know, all in color with the, the artwork that's there. It's, it's not a, a hard book. It's an easy book. It was designed as a gift book to be given to the widow by a pastor or a financial advisor or an accountant. But that was published in 2010. And then I started being um, asked to speak and teach and trot all over around the country. And so I did that for a while longer. And then it, it became apparent that I, I couldn't do both of those things. You know, the, the book, The Road Less Traveled. <laughs> well, I took the path and decided I could impact more widows by my speaking, my teaching, my research that I would do and doing more writing. So in 2013, I sold my financial planning practice business and went full tilt. And I did that from 2014 up until just the beginning of this year, 2020, when I went into refirement. That's not retirement. That's refirement with an F, refirement. And that was after um, the book now has about 75,000 copies in circulation, including the United States Army that uses it. Um, I've written and it's been published 150 articles, and I've done 300 presentations. You know, from the t- the entire entire time when I actually started speaking about this topic before the book actually came out. But in a nutshell, that's how the book and my speaking and teaching. And I'm I'm really pleased with. In fact, we just got an, another request from the Journal of Financial Therapy. That's an academic journal, refereed publication, and they're getting ready to publish another piece of our research. So it's an interesting journey. So in a nutshell, as I said, that's how my journey has continued. Oh, and I should also add that um, a couple of years ago, I remarried. So I was a blushing bride walking down the aisle at age 71. I'd been widowed for more than a dozen years in my New husband was widowed for about 17 years. Never expected to find love again. And that's an interesting fact, too. I will always love Tom, my late husband. But I love Charlie, my new husband, too. And that's, some people say, how can you love two men? Well, you can't. <laughs> Quite easy. Well, we're, we're very, very happy for you. And we enjoy the book here, the way that you put it together to be more of a, of a workbook than just a dry manual. And we've given the book out since I first heard about you. We've given the book out to several clients who unfortunately have had their spouse pass away. 
So with that said, let's let's jump into it and talk a little bit about the book and and what are some of your philosophies. And I'd like to you know have both Mike and I talk about some of our experiences as they relate to how you've helped people because we've had some similar experiences in the way that we've helped some of our clients. With that said, when someone experiences the death of a spouse, there are big decisions to be made, both emotional and tactical uh, decisions. How do you go about advising your clients? What decisions are to be made first? Initially, it's like your brain is a bowl of jelly, or as one widow said to me, a jello brain. You walk around in a fog. It's hard to get through one hour at a time. It's when you get to the point that you can get through a day at a time, you're making progress, and then it gets better as it goes. But initially, in those first days and weeks and months, it's very, very hard. There's research that shows that a widow's brain is actually cognitively functioning very different. There are certain parts of the brain that control our body temperature, our heartbeat, our blood flow, our digestion. All that is on automatic pilot. That keeps on going. But the higher cognitive thinking level skills, right out the door. You know, I was a reasonably smart woman. I have a PhD. I had my own business, um, written a lot. But I just went into meltdown mode. And this is what happens to many widows initially. And that's why it's very, very important that only those critical, absolutely must be made decisions are taken care of. And the other things wait until later when she can think more rationally, when her brain is not in jello mode. And so, of course, the funeral has to happen. That can't be put off. Um, there will be some things like if there are death benefits of filing for those benefits, but it's not a matter of then in deciding where to invest those right away. It's parking those insurance proceeds in a highest, safest money market account until she's really decided what direction she's going in and decisions are made about the configuration of her investment portfolio, which will happen later because things, things that were right for her as a couple are probably not right for her as an individual woman. There's a section in the book, um, Steps for Recent Widows. And in fact, there's even, I, I wound up pulling that out later and it's available as a, a little freebie on my website. It's in checklist format of some things to start thinking about. It's getting organized to meet with the attorney, to go through the estate settlement process of getting papers pulled together to file income tax returns. So there's some very basic kinds of things, but those big decisions, another big decision that, that I encourage my clients not to make right away had to do with the house. There would be some women who, I just, I just can't stay in this house any longer. I just, I walk into the living room and there's all those memories of Frank falling asleep in that big blue chair watching television. He's just not there every night. Or I pull up in the driveway and these big trucks there and I, I've got to get rid of the house. I got to get rid of the truck, everything that reminded me. And so they sell the place and maybe they move in with an adult child who has said, oh, come live with us, mom. It'll be just great. And then after she comes back to reality, 
several months later, she realizes, oh my gosh, what did I leave? I, you know, I left all my friends in Florida to move in California. I don't know anybody here. I'm not connected with any, um, with any church groups at all. Um, my medical care, my doctors were back. Oh my gosh, I'm, I made a big mistake. And she suffers double grief. She's the, the grief of her lost husband and the grief of her place. Granted, she may at some point decide that it's appropriate to downsize that house, but she doesn't need to do it, make a decision in the first month or two after Harry dies. There are other women who, like me, I really cocooned in my house. It was a house that we had designed together. I had my business in that house and it had beautiful vistas. I didn't want to leave at all. But there was a point that I wanted to make our house my house. And that happens with many widows who decide to stay with the house and they want to change it all up and they want to spend boku bucks redecorating the whole place remodeling maybe building on a wing i had one widowed client that was in less than a year she wanted to put more into this rehab of her house than the whole house was worth and so i needed to slow that budget down because she needed the money for other purposes in her retirement than that house which she was not going to recoup at all when she would sell it someday. So we wound up putting in some fresh faces on the new cabinets and uh, remodeled her bathroom and got some new carpeting and, and spent hundreds, you know, thousands, many, many more dollars less than she would have on the other projects. So it's, I'm, I'm also a certified financial transitionist. And these are, are individuals that, that purposely do look at individuals in transition. And this is one of the biggest transitions that a woman will ever go through in her lifetime. And of not speeding up the process, but but slowing it down. And so this this is a in the first stage of widowhood, I call this the really the numb stage, the grief stage. And so the, the only things that she should really be doing at this point are financial triage, highly vulnerable time. Sounds like from listening to your story, two things come across one, slowing things down, and two, being careful on who you get advice from in in the beginning. And I know Mike and I talked uh, before you came on, we were comparing our notes from reading some of your articles. And I, and I know, Mike, you had said that you've had some instances mm -hmm. of dealing with clients who were getting advice from all over the place. Oh my gosh. And some of them are just downright, I refer to them and some of the pieces that I've written is financial wolves. They go in, they smell an easy profit off this and sell all kinds of things that are totally not appropriate at all. Um, make it the widow's trust. I still remember so when I first got into the business and I met with a, a bunch of, of, they were salespeople. That's what they were. They were financial salespeople over breakfast. And one of the individuals was talking, he says, yep, I have my girls, his assistants, go through the obits every morning. And we cold call those new widows because most of them are getting in insurance money and annuity money, and they don't know what to do with it. So we cold call them, we get appointments. Now we don't sell all of them, but a lot of them we do because they don't know what to do with it. I think you've described like four specific instances that um, we've run into with um, newly widowed or newly yeah. new widows. One of them is I see some that come in and, and they've, they've got 
a huge long list of things they got to do. I got to do this. I got to do this. I got to do that. I got it. And I always look at them and go, no, you don't need to do all those things. And I try to do the, exactly the triage part first and say the rest of those things are going to happen when they need to happen. Mm-hmm. But you need to just slow down and just take it easy for a bit and let's make slow decisions, not fast decisions. Yes. Um, very, very, very wise. And paying, uh, you know, and having, um, that's one of the reasons why we insist when we bring on new clients that we meet with both of the clients. Mm -hmm. We want to always make sure that both of the clients are involved in the process because one will come in to exploratory appointment and I'll say to them, you need to bring your spouse because if something ever happens to you, that is not the right time to meet me. Yes. So we need to work together now so that in case anything ever happens, your spouse knows exactly what's going on. And now we're not going through these radical changes. So wise for couples to do that ahead of time. In fact, I had, there was one classic case. He was very astute financially, handled things really well. They became clients of mine. And he said, I want you to work with both of us together because Marie, like his wife, he said, she will not, she's bored. She says, not interested in all this stuff. She doesn't want to know. And she's got to know about this because I might die first and I don't want her to be taken advantage of. I want her to know fully what's going on. And we worked together for like three or four years and he must have had a premonition because um, he died. He did. But Marie said, she was so grateful for the, that time that we did work together, that she did understand everything, and that she was ready. It's a lot less stress that way. A yeah. lot. Yep. Are you listening to Plan Wise Retire Free with Jude Wilson and Mike Mott? And of course, we have our very special guest here today, uh, Miss Kathleen Real, joining us on the podcast. And we are going to uh, step out on this week's show. That we're going to wrap this up, but don't don't go anywhere. We're going to tune back in, subscribe to the show. We're going to have another one next week with Kathleen's going to continue with us on this uh, conversation we're having about the transition uh, when you lose that spouse when you become uh, a widow. So subscribe to the show. And uh, hit that button on whether it's Apple, Google, Spotify, whichever one you like to use, or go to planwiseretirefreepodcast.com. That is planwiseretirefreepodcast.com. And as always, if you have questions or concerns and you need some help before you take any action, always check with a qualified professional like Jude and Mike. Call them at 800 779 4592. That's 800 779 4592. I want to thank all three of the guests for being here today on the podcast. And again, as I mentioned, we're going to have part two coming up here in just a week or so so check that out as well for jude for mike and for kathleen we'll see you next time here on plan wise retire free the preceding program is sponsored by jude wilson and mike mott which is solely responsible for its content